the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Believe it or not, we've come to the fourth Sunday of Great Lent, and that means we're almost to the end of Great Lent, uh, because there's only one more Sunday of Great Lent before we have them Palm Sunday and Pascha, and it's really hard to believe that we've already come this far. Uh, with everything that's going on, we might have even just lost track, but there's only one more Sunday in Great and Holy Lent. And this Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Great Lent, the Church offers us the commemoration of our Father among the Saints, John Climacus, the author of The Ladder of Divine Ascent, which I have in my hand here. And he lived, uh, was born at the end of the 6th century and lived in, on into the 7th century, and he was the abbot of the monastery of St. Catherine on Mount Sinai. And uh, he wrote, he was asked to write uh, The Ladder of Divine Ascent as a help for monks about how in the world are they supposed to live their lives in virtue, live their lives in righteousness in, in the monastery. And because of that, it has become a, uh, a spiritual classic, uh, one that perhaps most of you have not read in its entirety, uh, but one that uh, most of the Orthodox world in the monasteries, uh, people read this, this book each and every year um, through meals, uh, through uh, the services, and, and there's a, a set schedule of, of how much is read um, in the monasteries there. So it's a spiritual classic, and it goes on 30 rungs of the ladder that is meant to help us to ascend to the heights, to ascend to the heights of virtue, and to ultimately enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And so it goes from the renunciation of the world, which is the first step, all the way to the chief of the virtues, love. And so we have a, a whole lot going on there. And so as we're in our Lenten journey, and as we are attempting to do everything that we can to maintain our faithfulness, one of the things that I want to encourage all of us in order to, to truly climb onto the ladder, in order to truly um, really embrace the desert, to use the theme that I've, I've been putting out in my reflections the last couple of days, in order to truly do that, we have got to see the reality of our own faithfulness and our own situation. Instead of thinking about how faithful we wish that we were or that we think that we should be or any of those things, but actually to, to meet ourselves where we are and to come to an admittance of the reality of what our faith is at this present time. And I'm so thankful, and again, the Lord provides almost exactly what it is that we need every single time in the lectionary readings, uh, because this morning in the Gospel we have a great example of uh, a person who admits exactly where they are in their faithfulness, or perhaps their unfaithfulness. We have a father who uh, brings his son to the disciples, and he's very hopeful that the disciples would actually be able to heal his son, and he says, uh, when Christ questions him, he says that his, his son has been troubled with this since he was uh, a child. And so uh, he takes his son to the disciples. The disciples are not able to do anything about it. And finally, the man brings his son to Jesus himself, and he says, If you can do anything, please have mercy on us. Please have mercy on my son. And Jesus looks at the man after this, this uh, profound prayer that he offers to Christ, and he says, If you believe... All things are possible for him who believes. And then the man, it says, tearfully, because he had a genuine prayerful encounter with Christ, knew exactly where he was, and tearfully he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And we've heard this 
a million times. We've heard it every single time uh, we've come to Great Lent and had this, this specific reading. And so we, we, we know those words, but it is so helpful for us to be reminded that it's okay for us to be able to stand before Christ and say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the victor. I believe that you are risen from the dead. I believe that you have mercy. I believe that ultimately all of this is for our salvation. But Lord, help my unbelief. As we read about the three million unemployed in our country already. And we read about the growing numbers of those who are infected by the coronavirus. And it's starting even uh, to hit closer to home as people, as we know people who are infected or potentially infected. And so when we go through all of this, we think, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that's when we can really grab hold of the ladder. That's when we can really embrace the desert and say, Lord, this is where I am. I believe, help my unbelief. And how do we, how do we build the build up uh, the percentage of how much is belief and how much is unbelief well Christ tells us in the gospel he says this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting and what are the uh, two of the big things that we're asked to do during great holy Lent to pray and to fast and not just during great holy Lent St. Paul tells us that we are to pray without ceasing and so we are to cultivate a life of prayer and St. John Climacus agrees, and actually, step 28 is about prayer. And I kind of take comfort in the fact that prayer is not like step one or step two, uh, but, it, but that actually pure prayer is all the way back at step 28, because what that says is prayer is very hard. It is hard to cultivate a life of prayer. And so I'm sure that you found, as I have, as we are away from the services and things like that, that this ability to really and truly cultivate a life of prayer, even in our homes or wherever it is that we are, we're distracted by so many things, to, to cultivate a life of prayer is something that is extraordinarily difficult. And that's why it's on, on up at step 28. But I want to read to you what uh, St. John Climacus says about prayer in step 28. Just the first paragraph. He says, Prayer by reason of its nature, is the converse and union of man with God, and by reason of its action, upholds the world and brings about reconciliation with God. It is the mother and also the daughter of tears, the propitiation for sins, a bridge over temptations, a wall against afflictions, a crushing of conflicts, a work of angels, the food of all the bodiless spirits, future gladness, unending activity, a source of virtues, a means of obtaining graces, invisible progress, food for the soul, enlightenment of the mind, an axe against despair, a demonstration of hope, a cure for sorrow, the wealth of monks, the treasure of hesychasts, the reduction of anger, the mirror of progress, the disclosure of stature, an indication of one's condition, a revelation of future things, and a sign of glory. What a beautiful definition of prayer. And my favorite part in there is an axe against despair. A demonstration of hope. That's what true and real prayer is all about. It says, he said, upholding the entire world. So our prayers are meant to affect not just ourselves, but also the entire world. And that's why prayer and fasting coupled together is how we are able to build up our faith. 
and how we are able to face whatever situation it is that, that comes at us, because of course we have what we're dealing with today, but this won't be the only situation that we have in our life. We always will. And these come out only through prayer and fasting. When we look to God and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And why fasting attached to it? Well, fasting is a great reminder that it's not enough for us to just not do bad things. And as we're sitting at home, uh, uh, less around other people than we normally are, we might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm not doing some of the, the, the negative things that I used to do. But it's more than just putting off the bad, it's about putting on the virtues. And in fasting, we are taught, we are taught to, to discipline ourselves, and we are taught to think beyond ourselves. And so it becomes then an opportunity for us to then put on the virtues as well. And so with prayer and fasting, we are able to take hold of the ladder of divine ascent, we're able to embrace the desert, and we're able, we're, we are finally able to build up our faithfulness and to cast out those places in our hearts where we just aren't sure if we believe quite yet. That's where I am. And perhaps that's where all of us are. And so it's a good reminder for us as we continue to embrace the desert, as we continue to, to attempt to climb up the ladder of divine ascent, to admit where we are. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And to pray and to fast so that we can continue up that ladder and can make this not something that destroys us and brings us to despair, but chop that despair with the acts of prayer so that it can be an opportunity for our salvation. I'll leave you with the last thing that St. John offers to those who are reading the ladder of divine ascent. And it says a brief exhortation summarizing all that has been said at length. And there's literally two paragraphs to summarize all the stuff that has been said previously, but I think it's just appropriate for us to hear when we are struggling with belief and unbelief. St. John uh, encourages us, and I want to encourage you today. Ascend, brothers. Ascend eagerly, and be resolved in your hearts to ascend and to hear him who, send, who says, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of our God, who makes our feet like hinds feet and sets us upon high places that we might be victors with his song. Run, I beseech you, with him who said, let us hasten until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of God and to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, who when he was baptized in the 30th year of his visible age, fulfilled the 30th step in the spiritual ladder, since God is indeed love. To whom be praise, dominion, power, in whom is and was and will be the cause of all goodness throughout endless ages. Amen. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.